0: Should you take that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm Allie Grant, and I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by Be Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week.
1: Scaling has been the hardest part, I think, for us because you know we thought about bringing in investors. We thought about selling the business, you know, to like a bigger parent company because, you know, we want to expand and we want, you know, we need capital, but we've been able to do it on our own for so long that we're kind
0: of like, okay, I mean, let's just keep plowing forward and see what happens. Hey guys, it's Allie and Jess. Welcome to the Follow Me podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. This week, we are... In the midst of what well, we just ended our festival showroom tell us just what is a festival showroom and what was be social motel wow well when
2: this episode airs
0: it's coachella week
2: <laughs> wait is that bad
0: no wow. i loved it i don't know what it was <laughs> but it was good i loved it
2: <laughs> me trying to hype up coachella yeah. even though both of us yeah aren't really coachella people well, our showroom, essentially, we work with different brands across fashion, beauty, wellness, lifestyle, mm-hmm. and we host a two-day showroom from our wonderful brand team. Um, we do build-outs, we do a space in Studio City this time, gorgeous home. We invite 200-plus influencers to come, to shop, to meet brand reps from these brands, and just kind of mix and mingle with the Social team.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible event. Our events team, sales team, brand team, all hands on deck created this beautiful experience. We actually partnered with the company Peerspace to find the location so they helped us find this beautiful location Studio City, this home, this pool we brought in production partners to create these beautiful build outs, we had brands from CalPAC, Vans Wonderful Pistachios Love Planet Beauty literally so many incredible brands and we had 200 creators come through over two days to do festival gifting and essentially the point of this for the brands involved is to get awareness and create content. We get millions of pieces of content over this festival showroom. It is honestly incredible. So that's kind of, we're deep into that wonderful week. And it's perfect that we brought in Jennifer Walker actually to this episode because she is the brains behind Revolve Festival. So excited to get into this episode. We'll intro her and jump into it. Today, we're so excited to chat with Jennifer Walker, seasoned PR professional with an extensive resume and founder of the elite Los Angeles PR agency, Walker Draws. Jennifer Walker began her career in PR. After years of brand and agency life, she became vice president of PR and marketing at All Saints. Walker launched the brand in the US in early 2009 after its successful 15-year growth in Europe. Walker was responsible for the success of an aggressive retail rollout and long-term brand expansion. In 2013, Walker moved to the West Coast to work with Quicksilver, Roxy, and DC to elevate their trade marketing efforts across all channels. Walker then joined forces with Adam Draws to form Walker Draws. Together, they have worked with some of the biggest players in the industry, including Revald and its famous Coachella Festival activations. Let's get into it. Thanks for coming on to our podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like I have followed your agency as I've attempted to grow mine through the years, and I feel like you have such an established company and such a great name, and you represent so many cool brands, so I'm excited to dive in today. And your journey. Oh, yay. I love
1: talking <laughs> about my journey.
0: Doesn't yeah, it's sound like we're on The Bachelor? <laughs> yeah. journey. I'm like, oh, what a journey it's been. I mean, working in PR, they say, is the most stressful industry in the world. Do you agree with that statement? I do. I honestly do.
1: We have a saying at our agency, it's PR, not ER. (laughs) And you always have to remember that because it can be extremely overwhelming and there's so much that's out of your control, especially when you're dealing with the media. And now with these viral algorithms and different platforms where people really can give misinformation or they give an opinion and then that kind of spreads and that's it's so and it spreads so fast it's so far out of your control and you know I think it just adds another layer of precautions that you have to take and really checking boxes and and managing managing client expectations and Mm -hmm. managing your own stress levels and that in itself is like an art Yeah, 100%. I feel you so much.
0: And Jess, I'm sure you're on the same page with that. But (laughs) I think what's interesting, too, is you started as like traditional PR. So working with media journalists, pitching them. At what point in your business was it like, oh my gosh, influencers, we need to think about this?
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, I've been doing this since 2003, I think was my first... Internship in PR and I was in New York City and I was literally doing like the New York PR girl grind you know, that was my
2: dream. I never,
0: I never did that dream, but that was like how I envisioned Uh, myself. Southern
2: California girlies in PR. Yes. Uh, PR girlie was the dream.
0: Oh, well, you know, back in the day, it was
1: very like glorified. I feel like sex in the city. Yes. I was like, I want to be Samantha
0: Jones. You were basically. uh, You are. I lived that life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it was great in my twenties, but you know, I had the energy for it back then, but yeah, it was very much what everybody kind of envisions too, where you're, you know at your desk and you're typing away and then you're throwing on your heels and you're going to big parties or throwing big parties or whatever but you know it's also it's also very exhausting but yeah it was it was very different back then and we you know we were still de- dealing with like print media back yeah. then it was like you know and i think brands at the time were you know on MySpace when i first started like that was yeah. the big yeah. thing was yeah. my space it was brands were trying to figure out how to leverage MySpace. And then it moved into Facebook. And that was, you know, interesting, but like not really catching on very much. And then in 2009, I was recruited to launch All Saints, the British brand here mm. in the US, which was such a wild ride. But when we launched All Saints in 2009, and this is how me and my business partner, Adam Drowess, met, Robertson Boulevard was going to be our first store in the States. And I was in New York. I was the second U.S. employee behind the North American CEO. So I had to find an office. I had to build a team. I was dealing with all the traditional media and I didn't have like a sample set or like I was working at a Soho house. Like I had, I had like nothing. I was like on my own. And the brand was so huge in, in the UK and Europe. I just had very little support. Um, They would just kind of like, they were like, go U.S. team. And we were like, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the
2: expectation since the UK side was so huge, and yeah. the US, it's like, all right, and these guys let's
1: had these it.
0: guys had balls,
1: you know, like they were like, we're going aggressive, we're gonna open like 50 stores in a year, or like you know, they were like ready to take it by storm, but they were very much like, okay, you guys go. So anyway, I was like thinking, okay, if if Rob, this at the time, like Robertson celebrities were still shopping on Robertson, they yeah. were getting paparazzi'd. and I was like, okay, the only way that I'm gonna gain awareness and drive traffic to the site that was launching and, you know, to the store and to raise brand awareness and really position it in the right way is going to be through celebrities. And so a mutual friend introduced me to Adam and he had just started his agency here in LA, um, really focusing on celebrity. And that's what we did. So I hired him and, you know, he was just like pumping celebrities through
0: the store, and, that, and how do you get a celebrity into a store? I feel like this is so interesting. Mm,
1: yeah. Well, at the time, this has yeah. also changed, and I'm getting to back yeah. to the original pipeline. Yes, <laughs> I'm not like going on a total tangent, but so through many different layers. But now with social media, it's changed very, very much. But you know, like we were, we were doing a ton of gifting, and that store looked so different, and the clothes were so different than anyone had seen before. I think that people really were curious and they really wanted to go in there. And so, you know, he used his relationships and, you know, the first celebrity that walked in the door on Robertson was Katy Perry and she was wearing a hard hat. Like it was a hard hat tour and she like fell in love with it. And then, and it was really strange because that brand, and I don't know, I can't really put a finger on what it was, but people like had a huge loyalty to it. Like once they, like, I still know celebrities that are like I still only wear the All Saints that you gave me back in like 2010. I like, still know people <laughs> like, like in my not
2: celebrities yeah. that yeah. live and die by the All Saints jacket. Yeah, I have a leather years. jacket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like the basics, people, people like, die for it.
1: Yeah, they and they went crazy for it, especially celebrities. So anyway, but yeah, there were a lot of layers. Like we never paid anybody. Um, you know that was kind of a thing back then, but not where like it is today. Mm-hmm. And so it was mostly just leveraging relationships and doing a ton of gifting, you know, and and giving people opportunities. We never really did any celebrity photo shoots or anything like that. It was always just, it was really like word of mouth Mm -hmm. and organic and and mostly through stylists Mm -hmm. because the stylists loved it and we gave them a great service and we, you know, we had great like, studio services through the store. And we had tons of product, we were product rich. So it was like, you know, it was a great resource for them and their clients loved it. And it was really, you know, we kind of built our marketing strategy around that being the backbone, because that also really got the UK excited. And it started to, the press started to perk up and they were like, what is this brand? But then, you know, after all of that, we started to see Instagram start bubbling up. And with the rise of Instagram, things really, really changed. And I think by the time I left All Saints, which was in, I think, 2014, and I moved out to the West Coast, things had really, really changed. And it changed rapidly and in a big, big way. And everybody's wanted to start getting paid for everything. And everybody had their own platform. And they, essentially, they had their own media outlet. Literally, Right? Yeah. So it was just like, you know, it was really, really fascinating to see. But that was... The moment, like within the time frame of being at All Saints, that's when I really saw the change. And we were working with a lot of musicians, mm. and content was a huge part of our platform as well, where we have this like performance platform and called Basement Sessions, mm. and that was getting so much traction on YouTube and through the brands, social media platforms. And so things just like sp- change really, really
0: quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It I was think. interesting. And then were you seeing like, were you like, oh, we need to hire an agency that does influencer marketing for us? Or was that then now on the PR team? No. So, so some brands do, but for us, Adam does all that. You
1: know, we have some clients that have their own internal IR teams yeah. and, and they have like an army that does that. And then we have some clients that are like, you guys do it. And then some, our VIP team and Adam does that all through his side of the business. So, and a lot of what we do is my side of the business is primarily press. We do a lot of ideation, like big strategy ideation and anything kind of consumer facing media partnerships Media relations and then also experiential marketing, which is like, you know, a huge, huge part of what we do and what we specialize in. And so Adam and I work very hand in hand, and there's a lot of cross pollination when we ideate together. So I also think with
2: editors and influencers, it kind of has merged together editors in their own right or their own influencers. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said that you really capitalized on stylus and building that network out. To and there are
1: creators now, too. Yeah, literally. They're all <laughs> all, all everyone's of everyone's that. Everyone's Everyone wants a check. Yeah. 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 No, it's the, the, nothing is, or, get well, I shouldn't say nothing, but.
0: Everyone's an influencer everyone's now. Everyone's
1: a creator. Yeah. Everyone's an influencer. And I, you know, I, I'm i here for it. I think it's great. I think everyone should get paid and everyone's going to make their money. Great. (laughs) Yeah. The hard part is on the brand side. When I I think that some brands that are kind of stuck in a traditional mold just haven't caught up yet. And so they don't understand what things cost and they don't understand why they have to pay for things so that that is continuously a challenge. And then there's brands that do understand that. And, you know, they're the ones that are kind of thriving in the space. How do you set those expectations for brands that don't get it? Because you guys obviously work with such a
2: plethora of amazing brands and partners, Revolve being one of them. Obviously, they're very delved into the influencer space, but those Mm -hmm. more traditional brands that don't get it. Yeah. How do you kind of educate those those partners?
1: It's challenging, you know, and a lot of the, the ones that have the biggest challenge with it are the ones that have really huge wholesaling business because they're kind of at the mercy of the wholesalers too in a lot of their marketing strategies. So there's this like tug of war that happens between their direct-to-consumer business, like their website and their own stores, and then there's the wants and the needs and of the sales team that's working with the wholesalers. And that's when you, you kind of like, as an external voice and agency, it's really your job to, to educate. We like to try to push our clients a little bit outside of their comfort zone, but, you know, it's not always successful in, in, in terms of getting them to get there. But, you know, I think they're slowly catching up. The other, the other issue is, is that, like, you know, brands that are really solely focused on digital and e whether it's wholesale or their own platform, they, you know, their marketing budgets are just bucketed differently. So, you know, brands that have to spend a lot of money on brick and mortar retail marketing, their budgets just get really, really spread thin really quickly. And so, you know, these bigger spends on celebrities or influencers are really, really challenging for them. And it ends up being a t- tug of war of like, where are you directing the traffic in those mm-hmm. programs? Right. So it's like if you have politics between wholesale and retail and you're spending a ton of money directing all the traffic towards your com, then how are you supporting your wholesalers? You know, so it gets it gets a little bit challenging in that way. And I totally understand the politics because when I was at Quicksilver, this was always kind of a, a battle between between the two.
0: So, yeah. So I can totally I can totally relate
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Yeah, I've been titles? in that space yeah. like you've
0: been which is interesting I think too. It's like you've been in the brands, you've been that marketing director mm. or PR director role and then what gave you the itch to start your own business, your own firm oh, with Adam?
1: Yeah, this is a good this is kind of a good story. So, all Saints I think was a hugely successful case study for a lot of the European brands. And I left to come here and work with Quicksilver because I was just burnt out. Um, of the New York City girly. all Saints, well of the New York City girlie <laughs> I had been there for 11 years at that point and I was like sick of running in heels you know <laughs> in your manolos. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was like well in my in my like all Saints combat boots but um at the time but um yeah I was just tired and all Saints was like being in a rock band like we were on tour we were traveling all over the place it was like work hard play hard it was like very much living this that seems like reminiscent of the brand actually It, it yeah, totally edgy, was. Yeah. Yeah, ball, yeah it was like you were like the brand was the band and we were all we all had the same lifestyle and we were all living and I think that's what kind of made it so magical is that we were all like you know dressed in it living it everybody had edge and everybody was so passionate about it and I just I got burnt out the the brand was acquired and it was shifting directions and you know sometimes it just it was like breaking up with it was like the worst breakup of my life (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> because it was like blood, sweat, and tears. It yeah. was my baby. And I was like, but it, it was just time. And the North American CEO who had brought me there, I had worked with previously at Ben Sherman. And he left All Saints to go to Quicksilver. So he kind of, I, I like followed him around a little bit. So he brought me out to, to Quicksilver. But at my time at Quicksilver, what we found, what, and Adam kind of, you know, went, went along and was growing his agency and doing really well and we became very, very close during our time at All Saints because we like went to war together. And the French wave was coming in after All Saints. It was Sandro, Maj, the Coupels, you know, all of these kind of mid tier price point high street brands were coming in. And the All Saints team was kind of spider webbing. And so what we found was a lot of they were, a lot of these brands were looking at All Saints as a case study and they found us one way or another, and they would come to Adam or they would come to me and they would be like, well, we don't want just Adam and we don't want just you. We want you two together. Wow. And so Adam asked me to consult on the side. And so I did. And one brand, which was the Couples, turned into like 10. And after a year of me consulting with him, I was like, I can't, I can't, this is too much for me. And we were like, okay, let's just rebrand Adam Drois into Walker Drois and partner and we'll go from there. And then, and then that year we signed Universal and we're working on all of their like, They're large franchises and they're like capsule collections and collaborations. We signed New Era Cap and and we did their Super Bowl 50 activation, which really, that was like our big, our first big experiential program. And that just launched us into a whole new level. That brought us Revolve Festival, which was in the spring after Super Bowl 50 at Coachella. And can you share what year this is? 2016.
0: 2016. Okay. Yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then that, like, and then Revolve Festival, then we did Revolve in the Hamptons with them. And it just, everything kind of, like, spiderwebbed from there. And it was, like, just gangbusters. It was amazing.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it was very, very exciting. Would you say events now is 50-plus percent of the business now?
1: I would say... 50% is retainer business, so like our always-on clients, which are, you know, showroom, celebrity, dressing, and then my side of the business, press. Some brands only use the press side, some Mm -hmm. brands only use the VIP side, some have full 360. And then I would say that the other 50 is made up from events and then like bigger celebrity campaigns and bookings and stuff like that.
2: Going off events, I mean, Revolve Festival since 2016, how do you continue evolving that event space? Because sometimes I feel like something as iconic as what Revolve Festival was. Mm -hmm. How do you continue to kind of challenge the brands and vice versa, I guess? Do the brands kind of come to you guys and say like, what can we make, be different, or how can we make this fresh and new?
1: Yeah, from certain perspectives. So for Revolve Festival, we work on the press strategies, and Adam works on you know talent, working with them on on who's you know the guest list. Essentially, they do all of the creative and the concepting and the IR stuff. And Risa Gerona, who's the chief brand officer over there, is like a marketing wizard. So they do all of that, but we work with them very closely on what we can do things differently in terms of exposure. I think that that event specifically has evolved on its own, <laughs> its own beautiful monster. But every year, yes, we are looking to see what we can do differently, what different media can come in. I think like one of my favorite moments was I had this like you know, because usually you do like a red carpet, and you have all these broadcast outlets there, and it's like just very kind of it's kind of a machine. Mm-hmm. But we really this one year I forgot what year it was. It might have been 2017 or 2018. But one year we decided we really wanted to do something different. And E News has their Snapchat show called The Rundown, and it has like 10 million subscribers. It's got it's like Snapchat is its own beast. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we really wanted to do something like fun and like reach a different audience like a younger audience and instead of like you know e-news which is like an older on tv and we could really measure it differently that way and so we ideated with a contact and we ended up having them there all weekend and they did like two full episodes from our festival and it was amazing it was like something that we you know they I don't think they do it at any other events and then they've been doing it with us every year and just the content is incredible and then it's grown now and so it's on all their social platforms and every year we do we do stuff a little bit differently in terms of the content like last year they had like all their YouTube shows there we had like three crews there last wow. year yeah so it was it's like stuff like that we really try to like see like okay what's new and what's different. And, you know, over the years too, it's like less about digital reporters being there. It's more about social takeovers and social reporters there. And so we really try to do like, you know, a, a mixed bag of all of those media platforms because there there is so much. And now the consumer is so overwhelmed with content and yeah. like you really have to hit them and like multiple areas until you until it like resonates Mm -hmm. but I also think that that's the genius of Revolve Festival too is that it literally takes over your feed
0: for the literally I kind of like I I kind of want to mute though like I'm like I don't know like I'm a bit fatigued by that a little bit I'm not going to Coachella's here are you going no I'm not going yeah I don't know. I feel like there's, like, a different vibe about Coachella now, and I don't know what that is. Is that, like, affecting how you're planning and what that looks like for the brands on site?
2: Yeah, Coachella for you is a lot
1: is like, a lot, yeah. So we do, I mean, this year we've had like five different projects going on for weekend one. Wow. And then we have brands that are programming for weekend two. And these are fashion brands? We have a, a hospitality group, Tau, which is Friday this year. And then we're programming a hotel called Casa Cody, which is the oldest running hotel in Palm Springs.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, which is it. like
1: super, tri- it's like this little mini like Charteau Marmont type Ooh. vibe. So we're programming Wedding that. Venue? Yeah, if you go to Palm Springs...
0: I've Let never heard know. of
1: it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we're working on that and they're doing all three weekends. So they're doing weekend one, weekend two and Stagecoach, which a lot of brands are now looking at Stagecoach
0: too, which yeah. I've heard is
1: so much fun. I By the the way, love Stagecoach. You love Have you stagecoach? been? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I
0: like prefer it. It's just like a, I don't know, smaller, like more boutique version yeah. of Coachella Everybody and country music, obviously. Is
1: like, Have you never been? I've never been because I am dead. After weekend two, <laughs> I literally yeah, die. I literally die.
2: Do not text Jen. <laughs> yeah. not call her. Yeah. I am
1: out of office. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. that makes sense. Understandably, uh, yeah, because yeah, I go, I go back out because I'm a lunatic. I go back out weekend two just for fun, and I literally just go and weekend two is like the vibe though. After the weekend mm. one madness mm-hmm. of like the influencers, the one. creators, yeah.
2: weekend two is like.
1: Weekend two is chill. Yeah. yeah. It's much more chill. It's it's less packed. And, you know, some of the cooler parties for a while were happening weekend two, just mm. in terms of artists, like not brand parties. So there was one like Skrillex used to do this one. It was literally you could walk through the VIP and like walk around the block. And he had this little oasis like house and he would spin until like five in the morning. <laughs> I've
2: seen...
0: Well, I'm not cool enough to go to these close things. Close friends'
2: stories about that. It because, was, like, they're, like, in the scene and I'm like, where is this? And it's really yeah. playing and it's, like, sunset. Yeah, it's, like, sunrise. Yeah,
1: I, think I have point. seen
0: that. Yeah, maybe. I went,
1: like, two or three years in a row and I it was, like, Saturday night. It was, like,
0: the thing. It was the cool... I was, like... Like, this is the cool Jen, you stuff. probably
2: have some crazy stuff. Yeah, and overall. you have all the contacts to get, <laughs> like, into
0: all the cool stuff. This is not for public ears. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in private. We can talk about it. Okay. So what if
2: Bodhi says, I want to go to Coachella, Mom? What do, I, what do you do? I... Will you get him in with Skrillex? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, but I'm going to chaperone, but I'm a cool mom. Yeah. So <laughs> You're okay. going to
0: be a very cool mom. if right, okay. you are a cool mom, but, like, <laughs> when he's old enough. When he's old enough to realize yeah. that your mom is cool. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
1: I, love that. Yeah. I leave him at home.
0: <laughs> so he's staying at home both weekends. So yeah, like, is he coming? No, no, no. He's staying at home. No. So you have five events weekend one. Yeah, pretty much. It's, and how big is your team now?
1: So we bring a team of twenty oh out gosh, to okay. the desert. Yeah. yeah, but that's mostly the, this year. That's mostly for Revolve. The, the festival is so huge. You know, you just need a lot of manpower for that. But yeah, I mean, that's like around where we are in terms of staff. So everybody flies in from New York because the majority of our press team is in New York. And then the majority of our showroom team is here in
0: L.A. Oh, oh I didn't realize you're in New York, L.A. Okay. Yeah,
1: we decided. So we were going to open an office in 2020. And huh. I
0: literally. I, was, I opened an office in 2020. It was really fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I literally was out there in the beginning of March looking at. Oh, my God. At what office a spaces. blessing. And then as I was flying back, it, it was like. Shut down, and I was like, "Oh
0: shit! I'm so happy I you didn't, sign, they didn't a sign a lease." That's yeah. Crazy. yeah, yeah, I was stuck in a lease, and like they wouldn't like let us not pay,
2: because <laughs> <really. laughs> well, they had to pay the bills. We I'm couldn't, so we scary. couldn't even
0: go to the office; like we weren't allowed to go because of the building, and we still had this to pay. was here. No, not in this. This was downtown L.A. Oh. Yeah. So we had like just signed a brand new lease. We were like just got it designed by this beautiful designer. It was amazing. First time I like really invested yeah. into that. And yeah. we had it for like three or four months and then shut down. <laughs> didn't didn't go back forever actually. We never went back. We moved into this space with 42 West. Oh man. Yeah. Do you own your company fully? Or have you taken on like investors or do you have a, a parent company? We are it's all us. Yeah. It's that's all us. Okay. You know, we've thought about it.
1: I think one of the biggest challenges of my career has been like the business part because I'm not a business person. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm a publicist. Why do I have to look at budgets? <laughs> so I think that's been, scaling has been the hardest part, I think, for us because, you know, we thought about bringing in investors. We thought about selling the business, you know, to like a bigger parent company because, you know, we want to expand and we want, you know, we need capital. But we've been able to do it on our own for so long that we're kind of like, okay, I mean, let's just keep plowing forward and see what happens. And, you know, Adam and I are getting older and, you know, we have we have families and we have other hopes and dreams as well. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. But
0: for now, yeah, it's fully owned by the two of us. That's impressive. What do you when you say like business stuff that you don't like, like what what does that entail? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I know. I feel like I know what you're going to say. But. HR. <laughs> like, oh, like uh, hiring, firing, go. Uh, well, obviously, like having to let people go is the worst. The worst, um, yeah. But
1: yeah, it's just like HR and navigating. It's just like things you don't know and you don't really think about. So that's been pretty challenging. And I think it's more like, you know, the, the finance stuff, you know, the nitty gritty finance stuff when you're like, I didn't go to business school. I don't know this language, you, mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. you know. But we've we've managed to learn it over the years. But it's also like I'm just like I'm not a money person. Adam's the money person, so I, you know, I just kind of dip in and out. Do it you and
2: Adam balance each other out? Is oh my god, it's
1: it? yes. We are like brother and sister, husband and wife, <laughs> best friends, soulmates. No, <laughs> be it, it's been a listen. It's we've been working with each other since 2009, and it has been. Not always a, you know, smooth ride, but we work very hard at supporting each other. And I think we've, in the last three or four years, we've really managed to
0: fine-tune that process. So it's it's great. Yeah. And now, like, what's your day-to-day? As And what is exactly your title, I guess, too? So we're both co-owner. Co-owner. Okay. Yeah. And um, because I'm a mom and I'm
1: a single mom, my schedule is a little bit... It's a little bit wonky. Like, I do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the office, and Tuesdays and Thursdays at home, just because of him and his schedule. So,
2: <laughs> does Brother go to school yet?
1: Or like, so he, yeah, so he does two days a week at daycare, Tuesday and Thursday, which is basically like going to school. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he's actually at home with my nanny, and I leave because if I'm home, he won't. He just. won't, yeah. yeah he'll just it's want. To, he'll yeah, want to be. With yeah. He just wants to be with me. So <laughs> yeah. I leave when he's home, and I stay when he goes. But I do that also because you know when he goes to daycare, it's like I've been called and I have to go pick him up or something like that because he gets sick or whatever. So I just like stay stay close by in case you know there's anything that goes down during the day, which
0: with toddlers you never know.
1: You never know. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I can
0: barely get by like running a company without kids. Have I have
2: kids. Have I do. I have a dog kids. and two cats.
0: <laughs> I just, I, I think it's like remarkable. Like it is. Thank you. It yeah. is a lot. Yeah. It How do you a lot. set
2: boundaries?
1: I will say I, I'm not the best <laughs> at this advice. I found that the thing that kind of always gets pushed to the side is self-care. And so, what I would recommend, I'm not the best at practicing it, but what I would recommend is really prioritizing that. I do make time Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to go to my trainer. And I try to get to, you know, other, you know, for me, like, working out and kind of fitness stuff is a great outlet for me. And it's really great for my mental health and it kind of keeps my stamina going. And that's not the same for everybody, but like what has kind of suffered is like meditating or like stuff I used to do when I was single to really like, you know, I have a horse up in Malibu and I used to try and ride once a, at least once a week because that is so therapeutic for me and it really brings me down to earth. And I just can't find the time to go do that. So she's just like living her best life <laughs> in Malibu.
0: I that.
1: That's her name. Yeah, oh, that's her that's name. <laughs> She's a rescued thoroughbred racehorse. Her name is BB Queen. BB? <laughs> uh-huh. Did you name her? No, she, she came be? with a name and I liked it, so I just kept it. And I, I rescued her a couple years ago, and she's just magnificent and beautiful and majestic. And I just like. I love her so much. But I, I rode when I was younger and so I've always found that to be like a very soothing outlet for yeah. me. And it's just being out in nature. We could go trail riding and it's lovely. So but a toddler does not <laughs> yeah. does not allow me to drive an hour and then an hour back and then the two or three hours it takes to ride and then take care of her. So she's Living wild. Right yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. In my next BB life. Queen. I want to be BB Queen. Oh, yeah. She's got like 10 boyfriends. I'm like, what? 10 boyfriends. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who are you? Uh, um, so, um, so stuff like that. Yeah. I would say, you know, and I think once Bodie gets a little bit older, I'll definitely dive back into that. But, you know, you make the sacrifices for them because they need you. So it is what it is. But yes, it's very, very hard. He's definitely like popped into Zooms and. <laughs>
0: I love that though, right? Made like, his appearances. Yeah. yeah. That and is
1: yeah. real life. You know, yeah. and I've had to really like, and like bless my business partner has been very supportive in all of this. And I know it's been very challenging for him because he's used to having access to me all the time. So like, he'll call me like excited to tell me something. and I'm like, I have to call you back because there's like a screaming child in the background. But yeah, so we we make it work. I would say the biggest other piece of advice I would say is you have to build a village who can help you. I mean, I'm a single mom, so I think it's maybe a little less important for those who have a partner. But I've been very blessed to have been able to afford a lot of help. And like, I have an au pair that lives with me. I He goes to daycare. Aww. I have a nanny.
2: <laughs> oh, wait, au pair and nanny are different?
1: An au pair lives with you and it's basically like a cultural exchange so you have someone come in internationally who lives with you and that they just want to experience the U.S. or go to school or something like that and so you basically like trade labor for the experience and housing and accommodations yeah and all I grew that. up with au pairs in my house yeah. I loved it. yeah yeah they and it's great because they become kind of Part of your family, and you know it's great for me because she travels with me, and she's just kind of always there to be a second set of hands, which I don't have. And then my nanny has been with me since he was born, and she is like my mom. I'm like, she takes care of me more than she takes care a nanny. of me. <laughs> yeah, she I like want a nanny. follows me around and like cleans up after me. And like, <laughs> no, but doesn't live with you. She, she doesn't will. live with okay. us. No, yeah. I, I love. I wish she would, but she she yeah. won't. You're like, Please, I've tried. Yeah. I've tried. I'm like everybody can live with me. We're, we're com- a <laughs> We're like a communal like, house. Yeah. It so yeah. fun. And then I also have a my, my very good friend moved in in 2020 to my guest house. And so she's like a second mom to Bodhi. So she's kind of always been there to to help. Oh, you're and,
2: such a great support
1: system. Yeah. So it's like you build, you build your village and you build your friends and you, and then that, that really, really helps if you have people that you can depend on. I have mom friends cause I like created this like mommy wine night thing. And I have my, <laughs> and I have mom. You friends. do it all. Wow. I have my mom friends and some of them are just really struggling with childcare and it, it can be completely devastating to your work if you don't have child care. Yeah. And I watched, I'm watching some of them kind of struggle with it, and it's very
0: challenging. Yeah, and it's so expensive. Like, for some people, the child care is more than, you know, what they're making and their mm-hmm. salary. So it's like, what, how do you even do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like when they say child care crisis, it really, it's really a thing.
0: Yeah. You know? And um, preschools are super expensive as well, right? The preschool thing is out outrageous here I don't even know like 50,000 a year or something crazy yeah it's like well some of them yes I mean it's like
1: it's also like hard to get into they're hard to get into it's like I applied for more I applied for more (laughs) preschools than I did for myself college yeah yes yes and I did all the interviews and you have to do the applications and it's like what is going on out here. And then I also, I have mom friends that their kids didn't get into any. And so now they don't have like a plan, a childcare plan for next year. Yeah. Like what happens if you don't
2: get into it? Because I think the parent and the child both have to test for Mm
1: -hmm. interview, right? Mm That (laughs) is so nerve
0: wracking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's wild. We luckily got into my first choice. I'm
0: me about that. You things. really do it all. I mean, yeah, truly. <laughs> really? Well, you probably had like, you PR'd it. You like had a full oh, cool. like, showroom, I had, body I and his I little outfits. A,
1: I had recommendations. We did a photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, fully. Oh yeah. I was, uh, you I was in there. You there went to a, a you went to variety. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, do you want to go to Coachella? <laughs> yeah. I can get you in. What Sprill do you want? It. Do you want some clothes? <laughs> do you want a makeover? I have stylist friends.
0: That's so good. Um,
1: yeah. No, I, yeah, we, we luckily got in so it so that's but it was like a huge it was very stressful and time yeah. consuming i was like who i don't have time for
0: all of these interviews yeah I tw- I had a tour. you're running a team you're running all these brands my like business was like where
1: are you today i'm like i have like three preschool tours i'm like <laughs> hey you know what do you want me to do at
2: least after this now like college and on job interviews Bodies on his own yeah
0: yeah i mean we'll see yeah <laughs> What do you feel like is next for you, like beyond the agency, if anything?
1: Well, I also I'm like sleeping. <laughs> I also decided to invest in some real estate properties in 2020, as I think a lot of people did because they saw that opportunity. So I have a couple, I have three rental properties now. Smart. Um one in Indio by the festivals obviously. You really are a desert girly. And one in Palm Springs, (laughs) okay, um, which is more our like family vacation home, but we rent that as well. And then one in Joshua Tree. So I think for, and I love it. I love it. I've renovated some of them. And then once they're up and running, they're like on autopilot. It's like amazing. So I think, you know, I'm definitely want to invest more and I'm very, I'm very interested in that space. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, I love decor, I love interiors, I love all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a it's a great outlet. It's like a great creative outlet. I'm sure it like tests your brain in other aspects yeah. that your job doesn't or Yeah. Know, like home. it was really it's really fun just kind of like like when I was renovating my Indio house, just you know, spending my nights, you know. Watching Bravo, which is like my guilty pleasure. Oh, it's all of ours too. You're
2: at the right company. Yeah. Like
1: watching Bravo and like, you know, put, making decks, or like inspiration boards and stuff like that of like my kitchen, what I want my kitchen to look like. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it was, it, it's just very, um, Yeah, it was just a great creative outlet. So I really enjoyed doing that. And then now, like just seeing it rent is like very fulfilling too. Mm Because you're like, oh, people like what I did. You know my
0: hard work. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So that's so I think that would be something that I would do on the side. I don't think the agency is going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, we're just getting started, in my opinion. Like we're still under 10 years old. We still have New York to conquer. We have some international expansion happening. We are moving into other categories like hospitality with the hotel group and Tao and nightlife stuff. So that all really excites me because, you know, as much as I love fashion, I think that there for the agency, there's just so much opportunity in other categories. So that's a big focus for us, um, which I'm really, really excited about. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, this was, this was great. You were so lovely. Thank you. Um, Where can people follow you? So my agency's name is Walker Droas. I've been saying it wrong. I've been saying Walker Draws.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell tell Adam. Yeah, Yeah, either either, either ways. Okay. Um, He doesn't get upset about it. And it's at Walker Droas. And then I am at underscore Jennifer underscore Walker underscore. Obviously, there's a lot of Jennifer Walkers out there. (laughs) Yeah, you had to get creative. That was a hard one to find. And yeah, I'm not really on TikTok. I just... Just, do you look at TikTok? I do. Of okay, course. but you don't post TikTok. But I'm just not. I just haven't gotten the creator side of it yet. You know, like I felt like I was just getting stories down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe, it's a lot.
2: Maybe your home stuff could be your yeah. TikTok. Experience.
1: I well, yeah. I I've been playing with a couple handles on TikTok and yeah. trying to figure out, like, because I don't really want it to just be me. I I. I And, like, my Instagram now, I post a lot about Bodhi because it's just, like, the camera's always pointed pointed at him now instead of, like, me doing my, like, fashion photo shoots. So now I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're, you know... Where Am I going to go with that? Because I think there's huge opportunity for it, mm-hmm. but from like a, a storytelling perspective, but I'm not really sure yet. So maybe I'll pop up on TikTok. Ooh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Well, this is great. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>